with the exception of the Diamondbacks that are currently playing right now, we will be all caught up. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is you decide to make Big Sky Sports Talk a part of your day. My family and I greatly appreciate it. You found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the coverage of the four major franchises of one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. Well, we do it a little bit differently than most. We do it from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. We also cover ASU football and ASU basketball to go along with it, and all presented by the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk, Muya Billings. Go see my guy Rico. He'll hook you up. His crew is fantastic. Uh, the food is great. Customer service is great. Atmosphere is great. It's everything you want in a restaurant and um, more than everything you want in a burger joint uh, for sure. Most definitely. Um, yes. Mooyah Billings. Go, 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 go to them and uh, really all Mooyahs. Uh, lo- Muya locations, but Muya Billings, they have it going on. That's for sure. Um, uh, one thing I would like to uh, reiterate is I say they're the unofficial presenting sponsor because, well, you know, they're, they're just this is a free plug for them. That That's what it is. And uh, I'm excited for um, the uh, potential there. That That's, you know, that's... Uh, kind of where where I'm where my mindset is and where I am with that um and uh they've been so good to me that that uh, I you know I want to bring them business I want to bring uh the whole franchise uh business if I can but especially the Billings location so please do that but uh anyway I hope you're doing good uh happy uh happy Wednesday to you um and as I said, we'll have uh, everything caught up uh, that uh, I would like to uh, talk about. Everything um, with the exception of the Diamondbacks that are currently playing at the time of this recording. It is 10.15 uh, p.m. on uh, the uh, mountain side of things. Uh, but by the time I'm done and, and this will be in your hands to listen to well it's wednesday show and obviously the diamondbacks will have been done um but uh uh, we'll we'll catch up with them um tomorrow and uh, depending on when i get uh tomorrow show uh recorded um you'll uh um i might have uh both um dodger games Dodger and Diamondback games um, under underneath that. Um, but as for uh, today, um, on this uh, on this hump day, we have uh, Jonathan Gannon. He spoke to the media um, Monday uh, ahead of a preseason week one, uh, as well as Buda Baker. Um, Isaiah Simmons, and then um, yesterday, um, Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator, and uh, Nick Rollis, defensive coordinator, and then um, Froholt, 
So uh, all of those were were yesterday, and then uh, JG Budabaker and Isaiah Simmons were all on um, Monday. So uh, that's that's how we'll do that, and then we have um, uh, and that's all. Uh, azcardinals.com with the exception of for whatever reason um isaiah simmons and that's a um arizona cardinals youtube page i pulled that from and then uh coach uh, kenny dillingham after um monday's practice and then uh uh, kenny dillingham after uh, tuesday's practice and then um uh more ASU stuff just some some comments that I I mentioned or that I you know let's see uh how would I want to say this uh that you heard yesterday from Ray Anderson um during yesterday's show um but they they spoke uh, well before then uh Ray Anderson and uh and Dr. Crow um on yesterday's show uh but there was something that I really didn't have an opinion because I really didn't know how how it would affect things, but it is a it's a pretty big deal now, um, and so we'll get into a little bit more of what Ray Anderson said and what it could mean for ASU. So, um, and that is Arizona Sports uh, YouTube page. So, uh, is it Cardinals dot com? Uh, Cardinals Arizona Cardinals uh, YouTube page. Um, Sun Devil Source gives us. Um, the Sun Devil, uh, uh, gives us, um, uh, Kenny Dillingham, uh, and then, um, Arizona Sports gives us, um, our topic regarding, um, Ray Anderson. So, uh, without, uh, further ado, we'll, we'll get into, um, everything Cardinals up next on, uh, Big Sky Sports Talk. Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the Cheddar Bacon Barbecue Burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good, I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy Rico. He'll hook you up. And tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. All right. Well, um, this is the first uh, preseason uh, game for Jonathan Gannon as a brand new rookie head coach. If you will, and uh, he he's all about getting ready for to play Denver. So, um, what what should we what should we expect, uh, JG? 
for this uh, week one and, and this week of practice and getting ready for uh, for Denver? Off the puck. Um, just get him acclimated with how we do things. Uh, start getting some mental reps in. Start progressing him physically. See where he's at. That first question, I know it's hard to hear. And they just kind of jumped into it. Normally, well, I say normally. A lot of the time, the way the Cardinals release these things, they're pretty good at getting the question and, of course, the answer. But also, the way they cut it up and edit it and, and, you know, finalize it before they upload it. Usually pretty clean. But that first question was about B.J. Ojolari, the um, rookie linebacker from um, LSU that the Cardinals drafted. He was on um, the pup list, physically unable to perform list. And um, um, going into, and this is again from Monday, so going into the day, uh, he was taken off that list, and so he asked about uh, BJ being removed from the list, which is good news. Good news indeed. He's able to practice, and and um, that means there was you know nothing, um, no setbacks, and he's he's ready to go. No timetable on him. How much of a challenge is it to kind of? Make sure he eases his way back. Because I'm sure he's chopping at the bit to get out there. Yeah, good phrase. Yeah, we'll we'll obviously have a plan for him, and that that kind of you have to be willing to adapt that plan. Um, coming back off of any type of injury is not linear typically, so you just got to be ready for the things that could possibly happen. You know, he's doing great. What do we want to do? He's you know he had a bad day here or there. What do we do? And um, you know you really got to listen to the athlete when it comes to that. When he's you know physically and mentally ready to play, we'll put him back out there. Is there a way to measure uh, an injured player in terms of how he has absorbed the playbook before he gets out there? Like, can you tell that he's in a good place for that, or do you have to see him? Yeah, that's a good question, Darren. A little bit. I mean, a little bit of both. You know, um, you can see, you know, how he's progressing from a schematic execution standpoint when you go slow and then when you go fast. Two different things. The way they evaluate that, but. Uh, you know, I'm just excited to get him out there and see him move around with his buddies. Is in, in your experiences getting a rookie prepared to play linebacker or whatever he'll play? Is that one of the harder positions for a rookie to learn, or is that one of the easier ones? I wouldn't say harder or easier. I think they're all different challenges depending on position and what scheme you're in, and what us as a coaching staff ask is asking the player to do. Um, but he's very intelligent and his football character's through the roof, so he'll do everything that he can, I'm sure, to get ready to play as fast as he can. When does the game plan switch from focusing, you know, solely on training camp to now focusing on the Mm, A couple weeks. What's the excitement level now that you uh, have somebody else to hit besides your own guys? Uh, you could ask them because I ain't hitting anybody, but uh, <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah, game plan. Yeah, um, you know they'll be excited. You know what I mean? It's you get to play someone um, of another team uh, in a in a game type situation, which is what Friday is, and you got they they're excited to go compete. You know what I mean? So whatever color jerseys across from, they're excited to go compete. So and that's what will be about on Friday night. Um. He's extremely fast, 
he gets open and he catches the ball. What does he have to be that number one receiver, the playmaker that you guys? Those three things. What were your takeaways from Saturday? Uh, we got to clean some penalties up. I think we got to play a little bit cleaner. Um, but both sides did some good things. Special teams, some guys really stood out. And, um, you know, that are starting to kind of trend in a positive direction where we thought guys could go and some competition in certain spots for some, you know, um, positions on teams is, is critical to our success as a team. Uh, I like where that's heading, where that's trending. And, um, you know, just from today, we got to get a little bit better than Saturday, you know, so that's kind of our deal. We got to take what happened, the good and the bad, learn from it, and then improve on it today and this week moving forward. Timetable on getting Keontae out there back practice. Uh, you'll see him out there pretty soon. You've had uh, nine. This is your tenth day of training camp. Uh, what have you seen specifically out of Isaiah at safety that you've noticed Mike needs to work on? Uh, he's been reliable back there, which is the first trait of a safety to me. Being in the right spot where you're supposed to be all the time. Uh, the definition of a safety, reliability for me. But he shows some, you know, some range and some hitting ability, a little bit of coverage ability, a little bit of downhill striking ability. Uh, long way to go, but I like where he's at. You like, uh, it's a very different, unique body size for that position. I assume you don't see a lot of that. Yeah, a couple guys come to my mind, but yeah, he's typically a little bit longer, I would say, than your normal safety. You know, being his height. Um, I've played with some guys that are around that about that weight where he's at right now, but. Um, yeah, bigger guy. That's good. Take up some space. Yeah, it can. You know what I mean? If he plays to his strengths. So um, I think he realizes how that can help him and how that can also hurt him and make sure that we work on those things. I think he's a guy who could get, get some interceptions because of everything we just He's proven that he can take the ball away. Yeah. What have you been your impressions of Marquise Hayes? Yeah, big, strong, powerful, and he's getting better every day. I like where he's at. Told him that last night. It seems like you have a, a really hands-on approach. Uh, Keytron Clark comes to mind. Looked like you're working with his feet a couple days ago. How important is it for you to have that, you know, hands-on approach instead of just telling the position coach, "Hey, he's got to work on this." Yeah, good, good question, Tyler. I try to do that with everybody. Obviously, that's my baby, and. Um, you know, just when he he's uh, he wants to be coached extremely hard. All our guys do, um, but honestly, probably the one time you see me if I catch him in between plays is because I don't. He's kind of probably right in front of me, so it's a quick, you know, hey man, make sure you do this, you know, kind of thing. But uh, I like where he's at. He did some good things on this this last week on Saturday. He got beat a couple times, showed a little bit of resilience. Um, but he's got to have a big week this week. What have you seen from a guy like Dennis Gardick? You know, the ultimate pro, um, he really goes out of his way to help his teammates understand, give them cheap points, um, tips here or there. Uh, he's always, he's a guy that comes to mind that's always very curious, asking offensive players, hey, why'd you set like this? Why'd you make that call? You know, if I do this, what would you do? Uh, he's, a very, he's a student of the game. He's got a growth mindset, uh, football characters through the roof. Glad we have him. Like where he's going. Coach, what would you say made uh, Coach Rodriguez a really good fit for your staff? Um, growth mindset, team first, technician, and understands the big picture. What are your thoughts on Kyle Soli, the, the local kid? You know, had a long college career, 
could that be beneficial to someone because they're a little bit more mature and they yeah, Kyle's doing a good job like all our rookies. You know what I mean? So he's got a long way to go too. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm pleased where he's at. I thought he took a step mentally and physically on Saturday. So he's got to stack another good week together, you know. But, yeah, absolutely. Michael Wilson found the end zone twice mm-hmm. on Saturday. Is his next kind of challenge Friday going up against real competition? Yeah, see if he can get open on Pat Sertain. What you got to do for Kyle's birthday? Sing him happy birthday. That's true. I said, lay off the cake. He shows his abs in that shirt. I said, lay off the cake, dude. Of course, thank you. Thank you. All right, thank you, guys. So straightforward is um, Jonathan Gannon with everything that he. Uh, that he says and, and, and does very, um, I mean, short, quick answers, kind of to the vest kind of kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, he gave that longer answer, probably the longest of, of the whole thing, talking about Dennis Gardeck. And, and Gardeck is, is one of my favorite players uh, because he is all those things. He does, you know, you see how hard he works. He, um, you know, it, when he's injured and trying to come back, he, he gets gets right and comes back. Uh, he fights for every rep that he gets, um, every opportunity he gets. Solid dude uh, off the uh, field from what I can tell. Um, always trying to learn. Um, always feeling like he's got something something to prove. And it's just just say he's kind of really come a long way. So I, I really like uh, Gardeck. Uh, one of the other plays that players they've they've mentioned a lot uh, throughout this whole training camp is Isaiah Simmons. And so Isaiah um, spoke to the media uh, on Monday as well. And uh, so we'll, we'll go ahead and tune into what Isaiah has to say. Um, you know, getting ready for Denver uh, in a couple of days. This summer about how you saw yourself as a defensive back and that's where you were now that we're a couple of weeks in a training camp and you're been doing some hitting and all that good stuff. Do you feel as comfortable back there as you were hoping you would? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I haven't really, like, truthfully, like, spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time back there probably since, like, my first year of college or maybe even, like, high school. So... Um, yeah, I feel comfortable, very comfortable back there. Um, I feel like I picked everything up uh, fairly quick and um, have, like, a good grasp on basically every position in the secondary so far. What do you make of uh, playing when you're deep seat, for instance? What do you make of playing that at your size? You don't see a lot of real tall guys like you. Yeah. You built that big, even playing that position. What could you do with it because of your size? Um, I mean, personally, I feel like I can really take away, like, I feel like I have, um, you know, a lot of range. So, um, I feel like when it comes back there, like, to the middle of the field, that really, um, just, like, with my speed and my size, my length, that I'm, like, really able to take away, like, most of the field back there. And, um, personally, like, I, I tell our corners, play aggressive because I got you, so... You know, I 
I feel like back there, like I'm really effective and, um, you know, it's very beneficial for the team. Helps a lot of people out. Um, allows JT and Buddha to, you know, go down there and get in the mix of things and, you know, cause havoc down there. Um, those are two elite players, you know, so um, personally, I just feel like me being able to play there um, kind of goes a lot back to, you know, just playing baseball. I played center field and third, so um, kind of just all goes back to that, you know. It's, so I don't really, to me, it doesn't really seem like it's weird or different, maybe because of my size, but um, I guess to the naked eye, it does look a little crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, like everybody knows, Clemson offered me at safety, so um, it's not like safety is like a foreign language to me. Um, so it's just really just going back to to what I started off doing, um, and I like it because you know, in our defense, we were I feel like we're very multiple, so it's not like it's just limiting me to just being a post player all the time or a half. You know, so I enjoy it. When did you, when did you last play baseball? Because you didn't do track. In yeah, um, probably um, high school. When I was going into high school, I started taking things more serious. I got a couple of track scholarships and whatnot. So, it was more so. like the other sports took you away from it, or did? You yeah, I actually really like baseball a lot. Believe it or not, um, but yeah, I was better. I mean, I ran track my whole life. And they gave me the option to where I could go to track and then baseball, but that's doing too much. So I just kept with track. It helped me. It helped me a lot with football. So and I enjoyed track. So. Yeah, is that compared to the last couple of years when you were trying to learn other positions all over? Like Sorry, you repeat that. How different is this camp this year compared to the other years you've been in the league when you're learning other, trying to learn other positions all over? Um. I just I feel like I learned playbooks really easy. So um I felt like I learned this playbook fairly quick. I started off learning a completely different position than I'm playing right now. Um and really I learned this position just now in training camp. So um you know, I feel like it, this one's like fairly it's it's a little more simple, but I mean, it's complex, but, you know, it's a little more, a little less to learn than our last playbook we had. So um, I think that's just, like, allowed me to really hone in on details a lot faster opposed to, you know, learning such a big bulk. And I just think that our staff does a really good job with, you know, the way we install things. And, like, we're not going to install 20 calls and then go run it that same day. You know, they... We install things day before. They give us time to, you know, go and study things as well as come to the meeting the next morning as well as, you know, walkthroughs before practice. So um, I just think our the coaches' plan on how they teach it to us is is uh, also very key in helping me learn it as well as the other guys. And they've also been, like, real open to, like, ideas of what will help us and what won't. So. Why do you think you're able to pick up the playbook so easily? Um, I really got to give credit to – to uh, Brent Venables, um, I feel like he had us running like an NFL-style playbook in college, which we actually did have to install 20 calls and go execute, you know, else for getting screamed at while he's playing scout team quarterback. Uh, <laughs> so I really think that, you know, just him putting that load on me at such a, you know, young age, I'm 
kind of young for my class. So at 17 years old, you know, learning all that and going out there and having to do it, I feel like that's what really prepared me for these playbooks. As someone who's played multiple positions, did you have a preference? And if so, did you express that to the coaching staff on where you, you know, if you wanted to focus on one position this year? <laughs> yeah. Um, that was actually one of the first things they asked me. They're like, so where do you see yourself? And I told them I didn't want to play linebacker. So um, there's just things in there that I just, you know, you get thousands and thousands of reps at this point at seeing that I never saw before. And it was my first time doing it. So um, I just felt more comfortable getting back to things that I had done in the past. And, yeah, just kind of ran off with that. You talked about playing, you know, Baseball and track. How much doing all that when you were younger helped you now? Because like you got center fielder, low field ball, as a safety kind of playing center field out in the secondary. I mean, personally, I feel like everybody should have their kid do track. Um, growing up, I feel like it couldn't go into really any sport and help you out. Um, just like honestly, learning how to run, it can it can help you be more efficient in really any sport you play. Um, so personally, I feel like track really helped me. Um, you know, I feel like I'm pr pretty fast. Um, no, actually, I think I'm top five on the team. Cause I'm not going to let them run away with anything. A lot of them guys think they're faster than me, but I think I'm top five on the team. So um, with that, and then um, also as a long jumper, um, that was really my main event in long jump or in track. So um, I feel like that just helped with my explosiveness. So um, I really think alternative sports really play a big factor in the, you know, other sports you that you play. You're a guy that loves to hit. Uh, mm. Are you going to be able to get enough hits in to your liking by playing where you're at now? No doubt. Um, why you don't think that? Well, I think you're going to get a lot of picks. Yeah, I mean, JT, I JT and Buddha, they've had plenty of hits in, in the past. So um, there's times where I'll be able to, you know, be incorporated more like down in the box and whatnot. So um, I don't have no worries with that. And like me and Buddha and JT, we race to the ball every play. So I said, I'm going to win a lot. So um, I'm going to get some hits in for sure. So, so, you think, so, you, so you still think there'll be potentially opportunity depending on matchups, game situations where you could be Moved around a little bit. So you know, I'm really not sure. I don't really know how um, our new staff game plans and whatnot quite yet. So um, I guess only time will tell. Did you, uh, did you give credit to Michael Wilson for breaking up your interception Saturday? Or were you just yeah, I did. That's very, that was a smart play by him. Um, I feel like most receivers probably wouldn't do that. So uh, credit to him. You know, he went to Stanford. He's a smart guy. So. <laughs> what do you think about Friday night? It's a first preseason game. Usually a guy in your, your – not a big deal. This is kind of big. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I'm just excited to get back under the lights, you know, um, have our fans back out there, um, family back out there. I mean, you know, this is – every time I step out there, it's like a dream come true all over again. So, um, I don't take any preseason, regular season, postseason, I don't take any game for granted, just knowing how it could be your last. So, um, personally, um, I can't wait, you know. You feel like you have to prove something to anybody? I mean, I feel like I got to prove something every year. So this is this year is not no different than it was my first year, second, third, or anything. Like, I just can't imagine anybody would want to go out there and not have their best season every year. So, um, you know, I just treat it like the rest. When you, when you talk about 
told the coaching staff, hey, I don't want to play linebacker anymore, I want to do this, that they listened, like that they allowed you to kind of do what you would like to do. Mm -hmm. Did you say, did how, they allow me? How thankful oh. are you that they listened to you when you told them that? Oh, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i very, very happy. Um, I mean, if they came in here and was like, you're going to be a Mike linebacker, then, you know, I would have did it to my best ability. Um, but, I mean, I think that they understood that that maybe wasn't maybe my, like, design position I should have been at. And um, I'm actually happy that they allowed me to just come in and lock in on one position first. And I mentioned them, I mentioned that to them. I said, before we get going on anything else, you know, I would like to master one thing first in this defense. And um, thankfully, they allowed me to do that. And um, it's just naturally carried on to me learning, you know, the free safety, the strong safety, the nickel. And obviously, you know, you're going to learn what the corners do. So. Um, I have a favorite player right now. Not necessarily growing up. Um, I've just been a Royals fan growing up. But um, Fernando Tatis, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I think I can beat him. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, they can get to like Rondell and Andre. Like they're really, really fast. So that. Your top five for the players. You think that would be above you? Above me? Yeah, your top five. Like who are the other players in the that could speed, right? Um. Rondell. Um. Andre Bassanelli. Um. Hollywood, for sure. Um. JT's fast. He has. He says he has the fastest recorded speed. But I don't know about that. <laughs> um, maybe Kyler. He's real quick. So. I know. Generally speaking, being versatile has been one of your calling cards, and is, is a good thing. Is there is there such a thing though? Now looking back after four years, as being almost is a frustrating. Like almost too versatile because you can't find the exact thing that you're best at. Um, I think, I think a lot of that, a lot of goes into play with that. You know, a lot of that had to do with, you know, what we were doing on the field, and you know, there was times where I was playing in a position maybe because you know we were down in injuries, um, or you know. I don't really want to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, it's just certain circumstances that kind of played into me playing some positions last year, um, opposed to maybe doing what was best for me. Uh, so now I think what's doing what's best for me is actually what's best for the team. So I think now that's probably why it looks like I just feel like a little more free, like um, more like myself in my game. I mean, it wasn't going to change how I played regardless, you know, so it just is what it is. Thanks, Isaiah. Thanks. So kind of an interesting thing because, you know, especially him mentioning what he what he said is because, um, you know, the, the impression was, um, uh, you know, when, when we find out that he's being moved to safety and more of a secondary role 
instead of a linebacker role is that all goodness well we've seen this movie before where uh you know cardinals brass decide to shake things up and and uh make things worse but for isaiah it's not the case he said i i you know i don't think linebacker is quite for me uh i would like to do something a little bit different and they granted that and he also said hey I think that um, this move is not only better for me, but I think it would be better for the team. And it's just kind of, kind of interesting, kind of interesting. And then you can tell that he was really um, struggling to, you know, or struggling not to throw any of the um, old regime or any of the other. Um, factors that um, put him at linebacker uh, under the bus. You know, he was really, really struggling. And so I, I just, um, I, th- I thought that was that was pretty telling of, you know, what, what we've gone through the last four years. Um, and uh, it, it's it's been interesting. Um and uh yeah so i don't know i just i i thought that those comments were were interesting uh now we'll move on to buddy baker and this is at his at his locker so uh, a little bit different uh um you know feel a, as it typically is hmm let's see why is that See if it does it better now. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. You know, uh, we're all trying to play, trying to get some time. And, uh, you know, it's all his decision at the end of the day, so we'll see. So he was played safety, you know, Tyra Curry. What's it like to see Isaiah make the move back over there? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome, you know, uh, just being able to have him in the meeting rooms and, you know, be able to um, communicate with him on the field. Um, It's going to be very special, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Even with especially in some of the early games, the fact that it's a new defense, how important is that to at least get some time to start really working it out in game? Yeah, I mean, of course it's very important. Um, you know, we, we practice like how we would want to play in a game. So, of course, the practice reps are very good for us and to get all the mental reps as well. But um, there's nothing like, you know, uh, being able to line against not a teammate and being able to hit him, you know, so things like that. When you look at it, like when you go to Minnesota to, to practice against the Vikings, is that probably the most valuable work you can get? Because I mean, you're going against other guys, and you can get a kind of a barometer of where you guys are truly. Yeah, I mean, it's all valuable. Um, you know, preseason is valuable. It's all valuable, but of course, like you said, practicing against um, you know a different team and you know seeing different offensive concepts or defensive concepts is definitely good for um, you know the team as a whole. What do you like about this scheme uh, that Nick has brought uh, here? I mean, obviously you're just kind of unwrapping it here in the preseason, but what sticks out so far? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I don't really want to say much, but, um, you know, just know I like it and, um, you know, just going to give us opportunities to, uh, you know, try and get after the ball and um, make offenses have to kind of understand and know what type of defense we're doing because we can can do a lot of things. You mentioned... Back there. You've been on the field with him on your defense already. 
already. Are the conversations and the communications different with Isaiah now because of what he's doing, or is it, does it feel like it's the way it's been? Um, it's different in a sense of, you know, when he's at linebacker, um, you know, we're kind of, as safeties, we're kind of telling him what the call is compared to him being a safety. He has to understand what the call is and has to be able to express that call to everyone, you know, linebackers, opposite safety, nickel, and uh, stuff like that. So the communication's slightly different. Um, and, you know, with, with me being at safety, him being at safety, we're able to, of course, communicate a little better. You know, I always talk about us having, you know, great eyes when we're uh, pre-snap and just understanding to not bust coverages, just understanding what each other has um, is definitely going to be good for us. You mentioned, you mentioned that practicing on offense. What other guy that size brings? Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he brings everything, you know. He's a, he's a versatile guy, um, you know, he's six whatever 230 runs a four three nine so you know he's just another db with us and um he's going to be doing a lot of things as a defensive back um, on this team because that's what we do you mentioned practicing like a game uh, gannon told us last week that a lot of the he's changed he's done things differently or he's even done the past we're in doing installs game day like yeah is, is that something you think is, is advantageous and a big positive um, I mean, I very like. I like the installs. Um, you know, like a, today, you know, you guys seen we weren't, um, you know, going full speed. A lot, a lot on mental reps, a lot on communication and understanding. And then, of course, tomorrow we'll, we'll you know, go 100%. So that communication is kind of already there. But now it's just seeing it now at full speed. So I definitely like his approach of how he's, um, you know, working throughout this whole camp. Do you see the energy just turned up a little bit now that you guys have Denver coming in on Friday? Yeah, of course. You know, um, anytime, like I said, anytime you're able to, to not go against your teammates because at the end of the day, we want, you know, the offense wants us to play great. We want the offense to play great. So we are competing. But at the end of the day, there's certain things that you can't do to your offensive opponents compared to when you go against another team. So it's definitely um, juices are going to be high. You know, it's, it's going to be very exciting. What do you think about Last one. Washington going to the Big Ten? Oh man, that's that's crazy to me. You know, um, you know, uh, for me, it's it's definitely going to be exciting to see them go against you know other teams out there and having other teams be able to come to the Northwest is going to be cool. It's going to be special. So you know, I'll definitely be watching anytime I can. All right, um, some Big Ten and conference alignment. Uh, response there and then uh, obviously uh, talking a little about about Isaiah so you know uh, some of the media perspective is very curious to see how Isaiah is going to uh, play in the secondary specifically at at safety but the team is not worried about it and they're not going to be of course Um, but um, you know Buddha knows uh, you know what's best considering he plays the position and he he knows, you know, what, what, uh, what should be expected. And, and, you know, it seems like Isaiah is meeting those expectations. And so that, that's, that's pretty big deal. Um, now we'll move on to, uh, Drew Petzing, uh, offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, this is his, uh, uh, first time getting ready for, uh, another opponent, I'll be at preseason, but it is an opponent. And so, um, Drew, what, what, uh, how are you feeling about getting ready for Denver and, and what, what, what's, what's the plan? 
things on Friday night against the Broncos? Uh, I think we're going to talk through a lot of that this week. Obviously, it's an organizational decision from the top down. So, uh, but yeah, I think we're certainly getting closer, and then you know have a couple more days to figure it out here before Friday. I know it's a preseason game, but does it mean something to you to get a chance to call these plays in a game situation? Now? Yeah, I think all these games mean something. It's an opportunity for me to knock some of the rust off and do some things for the first time uh, myself, and the communication with the quarterbacks, the rest of the offense throughout the game, and a chance for those guys to go out and compete against somebody in another jersey, which I know they're looking forward to. So, really excited about the opportunity. Aside from just personnel, but just what's your, the, your approach to preseason games, especially this first one in terms of what you're trying to get accomplished? Yeah, and I think that changes each week, depending on who's healthy, how far into things we are, how long we've been together. So, you know, I think a lot of it is knocking the rust off, getting comfortable in game day operation, communication in and out of the huddle. And then anytime we go out to play, we're going to play to win. So that's certainly going to be a part of what we're doing on Friday. Should his number be called uh, during the regular season? How much do you give to Clayton Toon's reps during the preseason, his exposure? Yeah, I think it's big. I think it's big for any rookie. I mean, this is their first opportunity to play NFL football with the lights on in front of the fans. Um, and you talk about it. You certainly prepare for it and practice and go through the mental gymnastics of what it's going to feel like. But I think the first time you do it, it's different. So I'm excited to see those guys go out there and compete. What, is, what does Zach Pascal bring to the offense, and, and why would it be important? Yeah, I think he brings a lot. I mean, certainly, he's a pro. He's played at a you know at a very high level for a long time. Uh, brings a lot of experience. I think a lot of toughness to that room. Um, so I think as a young guy, you come in the league, and I've been around a lot of guys who have done this. If you want to look at an example, some rooms have him, and some rooms don't. And that's been true everywhere I've ever been. And so for guys that are coming to that room for the first time, he's a great example of hey, this is what it should look like in terms of the way you practice, the way you prepare, the type of teammate you are, the way you play the game at that position. So uh, it's been fun to work with him. Concerned at all with trying to get some rotations with the starting offensive line? Uh, in terms of just who's out there and things like that? Uh, yes and no. I think a lot of that is the communication piece of it, and it's kind of that um, almost like nonverbal understanding, I think, can take place in practice. But certainly, you want to get as many game reps against a different front, different personnel, uh, where there's some unknowns, right? Because in out there at practice, by about the third or fourth day, you're going against the same guy or the same type of guys, the same technique. So I think it is nice to get, again, a different color jersey, different people, different techniques where you can kind of work through some of the other stuff. Part of that unknown that you probably just don't know a whole lot about the guys in a certain stages of the, of the other team, who's going to be out there and know that much about and not just not game prep. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that's kind of the excitement and certainly a little bit of the, you know, uh, the nervousness around some of these preseason games and the focus for us, and I've expressed this to the guys, is it's about us. It's about technique. It's about fundamentals. It's about doing the simple things well. Um, and then we'll let the scheme and those type of things take care of themselves when we approach the season. How would you prioritize what you want to see ideally out of him? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. It's something we're going to talk to him and have talked to him a lot about. I think a big part of that's going to be the operation of just getting in and out of the huddle, making sure we're crisp and clean at the line of scrimmage, and then it's decision-making. I think one of the biggest things at the quarterback position, we have to trust you to take care of the football uh, in the way that you handle it in the run game and the way you make decisions in the passing game and then certainly the physical tools of throwing the football. Uh, but I think everything before throwing the football is really what we're going to look for from that group as a whole, and Clayton's no different. Marlon Mack add to that group, and how do you envision him complimenting James Conner? I think it, the, the conversation around him is a lot like Zach. He's a pro. He's done it at a high level. He's come in and really you know integrated himself well into the offense. So looking forward to seeing him out there, letting him get a chance to go compete, and uh, he's been great. He has said that he wants the players to showcase their personality within their play. How have you seen that so far? I think uh, a big piece of that comes out on game day. 
you know, obviously it's not live in practice, but I think you get a sense of the attitude, the physicality, the love of the game, just in terms of the way they go out there and practice. And then you kind of certainly expect that to kind of take the next step when it's live. Daniel Arias as a number two on that depth chart at one of the receiver spots. What can be sort of inferred from that, and how is he looking out there to you? Yeah, he's doing a good job. I think the, the big thing with some of these preseason depth charts, I know you know a lot of a big deal is made out of them, uh, but that's very fluid. I mean, throughout the course, we have another month before we play games. So I think it's an opportunity for those guys to go compete, but would tell them the same thing. I wouldn't read too far into it. We all have a job that we have to earn over the next three or four weeks, and, and Friday night's kind of that first step. Evaluate where the offense is now, opposed to what it was starting out with a new system, and how how's everyone taken to it, basically in terms of knowing what they're supposed to do and being where they're supposed to be. Yeah, I think it's been good. I think these guys have really embraced that challenge. Certainly, the language, the understanding of what we're asking them to do, the technique that goes along with that, and then in, in terms of the evolution of the offense, I think my understanding of who we have out there has improved. So, trying to start tailoring it to the guys that we think are, you know better or have a little bit more ability to make plays, that's where the offense has to go. And I've certainly tried to embrace that here as we've gone through camp. The two guys you got from the USFL, the non-Davis brothers, um, how much can they make inroads as receivers? How much of it is what they can do on the return game and then maybe what they can add as receivers? Kind of how are you looking at them? I think it's both, and I think they're going to have the opportunity to go out these next couple weeks and show that. I also think in the NFL, if you're not the one or two, you better be able to play special teams. I mean, I think that's probably said in every meeting room in this league, the first meeting. Hey, if you want to make this team and you're not the guy, you better be a good special teamer. And if you provide value there, I mean, the amount of stories of guys who first made their inroads on special teams and then became receivers, that's a long list of very talented players. I mean, I was with a guy named Adam Thielen who started in that role and blossomed into a great receiver as well. Uh, so I think both of those roles are going to be really important for them, and they're going to get the opportunity to go out and do that here these next couple weeks. Back to the evaluation of the offense so far, how much of an uphill climb has this been? I'm sorry, one more time. Back to the evaluation with yeah. uh, Howard asked you about, just how much of an uphill climb has this been just to figure out where you are, what you've got personnel-wise, what you can and can't do? Uh, I wouldn't say it's been a huge uphill climb. I think that's the fun part of coaching. That's kind of why we do the job. So I think we've really kind of as a staff embraced that. I think it's been a lot of fun to get to know these guys and go out there and compete against our defense. Um, and that's kind of what makes Friday night so exciting. We finally get to go do it against a different team. Challenges as far as who's been available at tight end throughout camp. I think we saw Jeff Driscoll running some rounds out there. I mean, as far as what you're trying to do and install as a offensive coordinator yeah I think that's always a little bit of a tricky part of this game I mean dealing with injuries being able to adapt and saying hey we can't just be this because we want to be that we got to make sure we got the guys out there to do it um, so the more you can do for Jeff he's been great at accepting that role and certainly something he's done in his past but at any position when you lose a couple guys and you're trying to get the proper amount of reps for guys so that they're ready and acclimated for week one it certainly creates some uh, dynamics that we have to work through and make sure that we're taking care of these guys while still getting them ready to play not only that coaches getting used to all the new players, but also a, a lot of coaches you haven't coached with. How, how's that gone for you, like just integrating everything with all the, the offensive, all the different assistant coaches on offense? Yeah, I think it's been really good. Really, really excited about the staff we put together and, and kind of the way that we've gelled. I think that's been really fun. You know, that's one of the things when you get away for camp and you're kind of in the hotel that you really get to know guys and you're around them a lot, which can be a lot of fun. And most of these guys I had some type of relationship with prior to coming here, so I had an idea who they were and what they're about. And I think they've gotten to know me better. And then certainly the on-the-field communication going through that, you know, kind of that Saturday mock scrimmage that we had and going into this game is going to be an evolving process that I'm excited to work through. To get Trey McBride back in there pretty soon, and you feel like he can catch up 
after the time he's missed? I think he's done a really nice job. I know dealing with the injury can be tough, but he's done a great job in the meeting room. I think asking questions, being uh, involved, and making sure that he's not falling behind. So uh, looking forward to getting him back out there whenever he's ready. You have to guys know that, you know that their odds are a little bit longer, I guess. Is there ever a message, a special message, or something you want to tell you tell those guys at the outset of the camp just to let, make them understand, you know, what it's going to take? Yeah, I think the the first thing I try to tell them is I don't want them to have that attitude and, and not to, like, not to – poo-poo the question, but like, I want them to feel like, hey, your chances are just as good as a first-round pick, and you got to come in here with that expectation in terms of the way you play, the way you prepare, uh, and if you're the best guy, it's going to be your job. So that's got to be your mentality as you go through meetings, as you go through walkthroughs, as you go through practice, and then you get the opportunity to show that uh, during some of these preseason games. So excited to see those guys go out and compete. Do you use that example at Beeland with the guys when you're talking to them? Yeah, absolutely. And we had a number of guys in my time in Minnesota and Cleveland that would kind of fit that bill. And I think, you know, obviously the more well-known ones resonate, but I think those guys certainly are aware of that, whether I bring it up or not. It's, it's, it's motivating. I think it drives a lot of those guys to, to become the players that they become. You said the next thing he wants to see from Michael Wilson is if he can get open against Patrick Sertan on Friday. What do you want to see from the rookie wideout? Uh, I think it's it's going out and competing and run the game, pass game, whatever it is, doing his job at a high level every play. I think one of the things you're going to look for with a guy who has his type of talent is consistency of being that same guy every down, going out and competing and knowing that when your number's called, we know you're going to go out there and make the play. The running back room behind uh, James Conner, how, how wide open is that right now and how do you assess that competition? I think a lot of that's going to come down to some of these game reps. You know, I think one of the things that's hard at times when you're not tackling at that position is it's very different than it's going to look like in a game at practice. So I'm excited to see those guys carry the ball and go out, go out and compete. All right. We'll go ahead and move on from that and uh, go to the defensive side of the ball with Nick Rollis. And um, same thing. This is his uh, first time as a coordinator and uh, um, getting ready for the uh, Denver Broncos and their offense so uh, Nick what's uh, what what's what's the plan for for Denver it was pretty intense uh, they did a good job competing and playing hard and playing physical but nobody crossed the line of of going too far and doing anything that would draw a flag, um, which is what, what you have to work on. That's game-like, you know, and it, things are going to get heated in practice in a game, and you have to be able to be aggressive, right? This is a very aggressive game, but also be pretty even keel. So that's not easy to do, but they did a good job with it today. Well, I think I'm going to actually, I don't know, I might mess this quote up, but I'm going to quote John Madden here, um, who, you know, I know that was a little before my time, but someone I really look up to. And he said something along the lines of, if you make your guys act like robots, they're going to play like robots, right? And you got to let guys be themselves, right? You're ultimately, we're ultimately all going to hit our fullest potential being who we are, right? And being comfortable with that. And more importantly, a bunch of different personalities come together to be a team. And, you know, I, I do believe that. I, I believe that you gotta let guys be themselves. You gotta give guys autonomy in certain spots. And without a doubt, I think that's that's important to let that show. Whose personalities kind of shine the most on the defense? Oh, not coaches? <laughs> Players only? 
No, I'm just kidding. Um, everybody's different. I mean, I, you know, let me start with Kaiser because I've been with him for a, a long time. He, he's such a great teammate, and he's got a, he's got a really bright personality. Um, I love how he's got a lot of respect for other people's games. You know, he likes to talk about guys on the team, guys around the league. He goes, this guy's a baller, blah, blah, blah. Um, gosh, so many other guys. Um, Buddha's a fun personality to be with. You know, he's constantly trying to tackle me lately just to show he's got, got good tackle for him. I, I love that kind of stuff. So a lot of guys, great personalities. I love, I love everybody on that defense. I love working with those guys. It's, it's a fabulous group. It's fun every single day. Um, I enjoy it. The depth chart is what it is, but when you look at a guy like Antonio Hamilton, he's a veteran. I'm assuming you guys kind of know what you have in him. It looks like you're trying to get a lot of the young guys a lot of the reps, but is he lurking in there in terms of being a starter? Yeah, I think I said it last time. That corner competition is is really good right now, right? And, and people are going to show over the next week when we play against Denver and, and throughout training camp, you know, who's going to emerge and, and take – Certain roles, right? Starting role, nickel spot, backup role, whatever those spots are. You know, get to dime stuff like that. Um, and I don't. I want to never say like, ah, oh, we know what this guy is. Let's. No, it's not that. Everybody can improve certain aspects of their game. And as coaches, that's our job is to get everyone to hit their ceiling, whether they've been in the league for a long time or they're a rookie. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, that's a that's a position right there that we got to improve everybody. And and I'm, I love the competition right now. Nervous about Friday night or excited? What's the feelings for you personally going into that first game calling the defense? Um, I'm going to text you like 30 minutes before the game and let you know if I'm nervous. Nah, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited, I think, on a lot of levels. Um, one, I want to see our guys go out there and compete, right, and get to go live. I want to see how well we tackle. I want to see us take the ball away. And, you know, I'm excited for us as an operation, as coaches, you know, how, what's our headset operation? That, that kind of stuff is very important. You know, what are my thoughts as a play caller when I'm out there? Where's my headspace? Where do I go if, if something bad happens, something good happens, right? So I'm excited for that, and I really got to use that opportunity to get better myself, right, you know, as a play caller. not just It's not just about the players improving in preseason. I have to improve as well. How interested are you to see Isaiah in his new role Friday yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see every player, and Isaiah for sure. Um, he, he's doing a great job right now. He's improving, and... It's time to strap it up and, and go against someone else. I'm excited. What do you like about Jonathan Ledbetter uh, on that defensive line? <sighs> well, a lot, of, a lot of things, to be honest, a lot of things. Start with the leadership. Great leader, great teammate, great locker room guy. Um, in the run game, he's excellent technician, plays really well with his hands. He's strong at the point of attack. If he gets a double team, he can anchor it down. He's not getting moved. If he gets a single block, he can play primary to secondary gap. Um, and, and he's pushing the pocket in the pass game. And, you know, to be, to be honest, I'm going to kind of broaden that. I think a lot of those defensive linemen are, are playing that way. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with the group. Again, another group with really good competition. Nick, win, lose, or draw Friday, what do you, what's going to make you feel good Friday night after the game? What's gonna, what are you looking for? Um, execution. Tackling and taking the ball away. When you, uh, when you run into these players, obviously you've got a bunch of new players that brought in that weren't here before, like you were. But there's also obviously a bunch of players that were here and went through everything that went, went on last year. Is it, is it different coaching the guys that were already here as opposed to the guys you brought in? 
No, not really. Um, you, you coach a player to get the most out of them. What, uh, with Dante Stills' progression, what have you seen the most out of him? Yeah, um, very athletic. And he's hard to reach. He's hard to scoop on run plays because he, he's fast. You know, he's fast for a defensive lineman. And he's strong at the point of attack. So, again, I'm kind of, I kind of speaking almost in generalities on the D-line. No, I really believe that they're all playing at, at a high level with that. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's got some, some great traits. What does a guy like Jatu Akata bring to the table? Violence. He is. He's very violent. I'm, I'm serious. Violent, um, athletic. You know, he, for an edge guy, I can drop him into space, no problem. And he, he can collapse that pocket down, too. So, I, I like the way Jesse's playing. One thing you've heard from players, like feedback-wise, like coaches, I really like the way coaches do this. I really like the way you guys are running things. What's one thing you've heard back from players? Um, I can't say that like I've gotten this exact feedback, but I kind of feel that they appreciate is I try to make it so that this defense and all us coaches try to make it so that this defense is not memorization, right? It's not, a, okay, versus this, we got to do this, 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 and every call, it's like, Man, I got to learn so much, and what happens now? They they can kind of get paralyzed. I, I tell them that I want them to know the rules, right? Know your rules, and then go problem solve. Play fast, play free, go take the ball away, right? And I, I think there is an appreciation for that, and I try to get that point across of, hey guys, some not not every call is going to take away everything, and so I want you to understand the strengths, but also the stresses. And when they find those stresses, you know that's that's. Partly on me, right? It's a bad call. Let's get back in the huddle and let's keep going. So that when they understand the why behind everything, um, they know, okay, hey, they found it right there. Hey, we, we know we can come back to this call and take that away. So I, 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 I hope that I, and I feel that there's a little bit of appreciation for that. All right. And let's uh, go ahead and move. Um Let's go ahead and move on to the last uh, uh, thing I have on Cardinals, and it's uh, Froholt. And I think the first time I, I said that it was uh, Haljalte, um, but it's not even close. It's like, it's from what I understand, it's closer to like, like Yoda. And I don't know how in the world H-J-A-L-T-E is closer to pronounce to Yoda, but it is. So, but since, uh, um, to, you know, avoid confusion, I know how to pronounce his last name for a Holt. And so for a Holt, um, the, uh, I, I would say newly acquired guard. I mean, they acquired him a, a couple months ago before mandatory mini camp and, and all that. Um, but he he's the last one that we have, uh, and he spoke to the media in front of uh, his locker um, uh, yesterday. Uh, same thing happened with, with Buddha. Hold on a second. Um, eh, eh, and go. Uh, uh, camp's almost over. What's the feeling like to finally get to play someone else and wind down camp? It's going to be good, especially since the defense knows all our calls and everything that we say on the line. So now it's going to be good to get out there and uh, continue to, you know, gel together the offensive line and, you know, become a proper unit. Where is this in the at? A couple weeks now in the camp. 
you know, we're not meant to peak just yet. So I think we're at a really good spot where uh, communication's starting to get really well. We're all understanding where we're at on the line and playing really well together. So I'm excited. What about the excitement just to line up against somebody else Friday? It's going to be good. You know, it's going to be a little different. Camp's always weird. We don't have much tape on them. It's hard to really know what kind of defense we're, we know we're seeing. But uh, feeling confident about getting in there and, you know, just playing some good ball. How about you being the starter up front? I mean, what's it been like to go through camp and, and kind of be the guy at center there? You know, it's been it's been good. Uh, I've been lucky to have some really good older vets and players on the line that's been able to help me, you know, excel. So, uh, but, you know, I think we all trust each other and, you know, we're just doing our best, putting our best foot forward. Over or under, how many people in the locker room know how to pronounce your last name? Last name is easy, I think. I think the first name is a tough one. But uh, I don't know. I don't want to say those numbers. Those pretty bad numbers. <laughs> what do they do? They say, what do they say? Uh, I don't know. I think the old line's pretty good. That's saying yelled up. Other than that, just throw or 70, 72 is easy, you know. They've shortened it. Yeah, it's easier. Getting a little chippy out there today, huh? Just that time of camp? I mean, honestly, uh, I was in there too. <laughs> Getting a little chippy, but. Uh, I appreciate those defensive guys. You know, they're getting me better. Afterwards, I'm thinking about it. Like, they're forcing me to be better on my blocks and do everything I can. And um, But in the end, you know, we're getting a little chippy, and it's the part of camp. It's full pads. It's hard, you know, when you're playing such a physical sport not to get a little amped up. But, uh, you know, everybody's been able to take it easy and break it down afterwards, and there's no hard feelings there. So I'm happy that the defense are putting their best foot forward because I'm only getting better because of it. You mentioned the offseason. Your familiarity with the offense, yeah. being from Cleveland, had helped. As, as where you are now, how much do you think that has helped you and the entire group? I mean, I think it's helped uh, kicking everything off. I've been able to kind of have a little step forward of knowing, you know, the, the offense play calls and and all that. But I think uh, with the help of Clayton, he's really done a good job of helping with different points and understanding, also simplifying the whole offense. And I think that's helped me tremendously. Also, be able to go out there and you know, direct everybody and make sure everybody's on the same page. Awesome, guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's everything, uh, Cardinals. Uh, We will uh, move into um, ASU up up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. All right. uh, Talking some uh, ASU football. and uh, from Monday's practice, here is uh, Kenny Dillingham. What did you think about that practice? Yeah, I walked in the meeting room today and said this is going to be the hard, one of the hardest practices of fall camp. We're going to be out there. We're going to work. You're going to be tired. And we're going to see who jumps off sides when you're tired. We're going to see who creates penalties when they're tired and who loses their focus. Uh, today, the defense definitely got the better hand of the offense. Uh, you know, the defense had three and outs other than the first two-minute drill uh, to start the day. The defense won every other period. You mentioned two weeks ago you weren't happy, but you were satisfied. Where, where is that update now as you're less than three and a half weeks out of uh, from, from the first week? Same. How disappointing is that, if at all, that the defense won over the offense? Obviously, you want both sides of the ball to be great, and you're more of an offensive mind. How do you stand with that? Oh, I want our defense to be great. You know what I mean? Every day, sometimes you're going to come out, the offense plays great, sometimes you're going to come out and the defense plays great. The key is if one side of the ball is consistently winning, then you have a problem. 
you want to be a good team, it's going to be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and it's going to be a dogfight because you make each other better, right? Today, the defense got the better and the offense way too much. Offensive line getting tested by a lot of athleticism. How is that going to look to you? Up and down. Today was their worst day up front by far, uh, in my opinion. Up to this point, I think they've been one of the best groups and most impressive groups of our fall camp from where we were in spring to where they are uh, today. Today was by far our worst day up front. So what did Clayton Smith do to uh, earn being called finesse a few times over the mic? Oh, he's got a little moves. So, you know, I'm trying to get under his skin a little bit. You know, that's, that's my job is to try to motivate people in different ways. And I know that's a guy who doesn't like to be called finesse. You know what, I'm gonna call him a little bit of finesse, get under his skin, make him play a little physical. So Juwan Mitchell's uh, no longer part of the team? Yeah, Juwan Mitchell's no longer with the team. What does it say that um, pretty early on, a couple guys that are talented, one of them is a starter in multiple places, aren't, aren't here? That, from a cultural standpoint, like... Culture wins. It's very, very simple. Culture wins. You're either going to practice how we practice, live how we live, be a good person, compete, say yes sir, say no sir, open doors for people, be genuinely a good person and do things right or you're not. And it's really, really not hard just to be a good person, right? The football stuff, that's great. There's a lot of really good football players out there. There's a lot of great football players out there. I want good people in this program to build a culture that we can be proud of. When I say we, I mean myself, our staff, the alumni, the Valley, and everybody that watches this play goes, man, that's somebody I'd let babysit my daughter, and that player plays his guts out. That player plays the passion. Watch that kid play the game. And that's what I want to see people say and hear people say about our football team is how hard they play, how passionate they play, right, but how good of people they are. What have you uh, taken away from the running back room so far? Yeah, I think we got a lot of backs. I think we're versatile. We got guys like Scat that'll run you over. We got guys like Tevin uh, and Sip that'll juke and make people miss and show some explosiveness. We got guys like D Brooks, who's that Scat category. Uh, so George Hart, who's kind of a mix of both. So we got a, uh, you know, a, a mix and match of guys in that room. I think we can keep them fresh throughout the season. What about the quarterbacks? What are you, what are you saying? Yeah, Trenton had a good day today. Uh, I think it's been back and forth, back and forth. You know, Drew's had some really, really good days the past few days. Trenton had a good day today. He made some really nice throws, really comfortable back there. And I think part of that is sometimes you know what group you're with. You know, some days you're with a group and you're getting sacked, and the next day you're with another group. So it's you can't really judge completely by what you think. Oh, that's a nice throw, that's a nice play. Sometimes you judge by, man, how much chaos did you prevent? You were with a group and you should have taken three sacks, but you threw three balls away. That's a huge day for me because we're not going to win many games if we're in position to take 12 sacks in a game anyways. So if you're willing to throw the ball away three times, right, it means when we get into a game where we can win, right now you just got to make the easy play. So I think uh, that's a lot of stuff kind of behind the scenes that we look at. Or do you feel like you're in terms of the timeline of making a decision? Uh, not very close. I don't know if that answer was uh, not very close because – you know, he's just not ready, or if it's like, man, they all these guys need a lot of work, or if it's just, man, we got a lot of good quarterbacks, and uh, it's tough to choose. I I want to say that it's more of he's just not ready, not ready to make a decision, 
my best guess, if you want my opinion, I think it's going to be Trenton Borgay. Um, but, uh, you know, he did just say that, you know, Trenton's had, had a lot more ups and downs. Um, Clayton has, uh, you know, been a little bit more consistent. So we'll, we'll see, uh, what, uh, what happens, uh, there. Um, and then, uh, here is, uh, his comments from, uh, yesterday's practice. Yeah, just too much complaining, you know, too much complaining, you know, good teams don't complain. Good teams just go whoop the person's butt in front of them. You know, there's, there's no need to complain. There's no need to argue. Uh, you just go whoop somebody's ass. Just things in general. Anytime something doesn't go your way, right? You just complain and complain and complain and complain. It's a loser mentality, right? If you want to win, right, you can't let outside things affect you. You have to have a mindset that I'm going to go do my job and win every rep, regardless of what happens, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of if you caught the ball inbounds or not, and you got a bad call. It doesn't matter because it's not going to affect the next play. So you better get rid of it. You better put on your big boy plants, and that's how good people win football games. What you hope to accomplish by Bring a little juice. Uh, you know, I wanted to have a little juice today at practice. And then tomorrow, we actually tone it down a little bit, a lot of special teams. So I just wanted us, to be honest, not have a 20-minute transition to the other side of the field and back. So say 40 minutes before we drive to Camp T tomorrow. But today, I wanted to emphasize game day environment. You know, who scores, who makes big plays. Did you see that juice today? Uh, yeah, I saw it from the offensive side of the ball, right? It was there all day. Even, it was the opposite of yesterday. The defensive side of the ball was just complaining all day, right? Poor me, why me, why did this happen, why is this happening, right? A lot of talk, no action, right? And then at the end there, you know, uh, we got a call that didn't go the offensive way, and then we flip it, and then we're out there complaining. That's not how we're going to operate here. Like, we're not going to be a team that complains. We're going to be a team that responds. Did you see that complaining before today, or was that really more? No, today was really the first day it showed up. But guess what? We're in week, what, eight of camp? Right, day eight of camp, right? Eight practices in nine days. We haven't been inside one time. We've had two of our hardest practices back to back. I'm trying to create this. This isn't an accident, right? I could easily get them to come out here and never complain because I would never put them in a, a situation to have conflict, right? We talk about response and you can only respond if there's adversity. Our job is to create that adversity and part of coming in here, doing a scrimmage, having a long practice is creating the adversity necessary where that stuff does not show up on game day, because that'd be embarrassing. How do you feel the O-line state steps in? Looks like the uh, inside the tackle front, you know, there's been a few plays where there's been some pretty big holes, but there's lots of O-line in the run. Yeah, I think our O-line is one of the most improved position groups from spring. I think Coach Saga's done a phenomenal job. They're just not playing more physical. They're playing smarter brand of football. They understand what's their responsibility, what their job is, and how to get it accomplished based off the looks. And you can start to see uh, the wheels turning for them. Talk about you know, practices and practices. How do you balance you know, pushing them while also not trying to wear them out before the season? Yeah, I mean, we have a good plan. I mean, of course, I think we have a good plan. Right? I think we have a good plan later uh, when we get through this wave of 15, 16 days to where we tone off of them. And really, it's, I think it's four, or I know it's four real practices in the last 14 days leading up to the game, right? We have some walkthroughs, we have some jog throughs in there, but they're gonna be able to get their legs back before we start the marathon.
lot of uh, young guys in the secondary. What have you kind of seen from that group so far this fall? Yeah, I think our secondary has been a, you know, another highlight for us. You know, I think Montana Warren's a guy who's obviously was here uh, in the spring, but he's a guy who's done a phenomenal job and he's having to learn multiple positions now. And, you know, at times he's, you know, it wears on you. You're a freshman, you're learning two, three positions, right? That's mentally fatiguing. But he's done a nice job not letting it get to him and still going out there and playing. And it's really just a badge of honor for him that we entrust the true freshman to learn multiple positions because we're going to need him this year. Just going up there, hanging out, you know, camaraderie. A little bit cooler air will be, a, you know, nice. But uh, really just getting up there and guys hanging out. You know, that's culture wins. You know, I, I firmly believe in it. I firmly believe culture wins. And uh, you have to go through adversity, right? Of here, you have to go through personal adversity of Camp T without cell phones and things like that. You have to go through that in order to harden yourself to be able to overcome, you know, situations. It looks like you're developing good versatility in the O-line, guys able to play different positions. How important is that? Yeah, we talked to our staff on Sunday about making sure guys are playing different spots. So you saw definitely this week we've come out and put guys in different spots in the field to get our best five on the field regardless of what happens on game day. What have you seen out of Will Schaefer? Oh, he's a worker, man. He's a worker. He's smart. He gets it. Uh, he's dropped a little weight, so he actually is a little bit faster. If you know, he's flying around a little more. So I've been really pleased with him. I've known Will since he was a sophomore in high school. So it's great to see him come out and compete the way he's competing. So you can kind of hear why um, he's only just satisfied with, with things right now because, you know, and he did say I'm he's glad that it's, you know, not always the, the defense that, that is sticking out as far as, uh, you know, getting the good work in that the offense will. And obviously um, hearing those back-to-back, you you hear that okay well you know yesterday's practice the offense played a little bit better monday's practice defense played a little bit better um but because it's not hey both sides were were you know lights out is probably why you can argue and say okay that's why um uh why um he's he he hasn't moved his uh, position to further than just satisfied of, of how uh, things are going. And again, I always said I love um, what he's preaching, the culture, and I love that he's about you got to compete and compete and compete, and you have to um, just be a solid dude. Um, all those things are, are fantastic things to um to have and have said of you um speaking things said of you um ray anderson made a comment that again we had on yesterday's show but he made it in in earlier in the week um during the uh conference realignment um media scrum and um basically uh, you know, alienated himself from uh, his uh, soon-to-be Big 12 um, uh, counterparts. 
So we'll we'll see what uh, um how that shapes up, but um uh Dan Bickley gives his uh, thoughts and opinions on it. Um and uh uh on on his show with uh Vince Murata on the Bickley and Murata show on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports. And uh this is uh, kind of what what they had to say about the deal. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley Blast. There have been many ill-timed proclamations in sports, like I'm taking my talents to South Beach, or Ron Paulus will win four Heismans, or I promise I'm not going to Morgantown. Unfortunately, the latter was uttered by ASU Athletic Director Ray Anderson, a quip intended to be a joke while responding to a question from his boss, Michael Crow. Alas, it was not funny to any of ASU's new neighbors in the Big 12. It came off as arrogant. It sounded like a school that is joining the Big 12 out of desperation, not desire. And it immediately lit up message boards all over their new conference where many Big 12 fans have already ID'd ASU is the new villain in town. Some even believed it reflected the poor judgment and poor leadership that sabotaged the Pac-12 from within, and unfortunately, those people are right. And unfortunately, this was about the clunkiest, clumsiest entrance into a brand new future that you can imagine. Now, hopefully in the future, this move will sharpen ASU's football program and the apathetic game day culture in Tempe. Because if ASU is not careful, they're going to look up and see their stands filled with infidels just like Sundays at State Farm Stadium. And in the end, it was proof that too often at ASU, TD doesn't stand for touchdown. TD stands for tone deaf. You're going you're gonna to try to, in the Olympic sports, go to divisions and probably do that in football as well. Uh, for the travel and regionalization still makes sense, but it really makes sense for the Olympic sports. Uh, and so you might imagine our selfish interest is that if that keeps us with the game. We're not giving you a remote office in Morgantown. I promise I'm not going to Morgantown. I'm going to sign that to Gene, Gene Boyd. He go to Morgantown. But send me to Texas and uh, the rivalry with Arizona and, and, and start a new one with BYU and Utah and Colorado. Yeah. That's where a lot of our Olympics So So look, look at where we are. So we have two schools in Utah, two schools in Arizona. We have the Colorado. Uh, and then we've got the schools in Texas. I mean, that's a quite quite a nice little group of schools right there. So I don't know how that's going to end up, but that's a nice little regional group of schools. That's Michael Crow and Ray Anderson from Saturday uh, talking about maybe hoping for mm-hmm. the development of regions uh, within the Big 12 after this round of expansion. Now, the fact of the matter is Ray Anderson made the quip that everybody in Morgantown, West Virginia, and other cities mm-hmm. in uh, the Big 12 are pointing at. It's like, wow, welcome to the conference. Yeah. What a jerky thing to yeah. say. Michael Crow set him up for it. Oh, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. He put it on it. the tee. There's no doubt about it. And But but again, this is this is where they got to kind of be careful here. Because Michael Crow, in when you go back and listen to Michael Crow talk about the Apple deal, in Star Trekian terms, as if he were Captain Kirk, right? You can understand why he got so enamored with Larry Scott's dreams of brilliance and shiny things. Right. Well, Larry Scott actually pr- delivered on some of those shiny things. Okay. It was all in the form of like hotel suites and office buildings, yeah. but 
And and again, and I think also in this case, Jared, shut the music off, Jared. <laughs> you heard that too. <laughs> that is a fault of this board. Yeah, okay. that it was all the way down. All right, so so I think that Blame in the case, it on the board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know this for a fact because I hear from a lot of ASU alumni, and I just want to preface that just to state that this isn't just me flying off the handle at this. There are a lot of ASU fans who want to know why, if you are, why does Michael Crow still have confidence in the athletic director who put the this program in the hands of Herm Edwards and who drove this and who, who staff and and all that stuff drove them right into the ditch? Okay, so if if that's your choice to get that got you into that mess. Why do you trust him to get you out of this mess? And again, it's that deep loyalty that Michael Crow has to a vision that sometimes only he seems to have by himself. Not always in step with what his fan base wants. And because because it's not. A lot of his fan base wants a kick-ass football team. Yes. And and that and and that's not his first priority. So I, I Again, and I'm not trying to make this negative because I think that ASU ended up where they need to be. But but that little get together Saturday, that that spoke to a lot of people, and not in a good way. No, and a lot of the reaction, and you've mentioned it the last couple of days on the show, and just mentioned it in the blast too. Is and, and what you described it as a lukewarm game day atmosphere? Is that is that how you described apathetic, it? Yeah. Ap- a- the apathetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apathetic. Um, I saw a lot of people reacting to that terminology. And again, pinning that on the leadership at Arizona State, that the tailgate culture has been almost completely shut down at ASU. Yeah. And if you go, like, I I haven't had experience going to games in the SEC. I've heard the stories. I've seen the images. It's it's epic what they do. It is epic what they do. Some of the experiences that I've had in other cities and other college towns on game day, seeing what goes on in Lincoln, Nebraska, before a Nebraska game is mind-blowing mm-hmm. recently in 2018 when asu played up in seattle i made that trip and you know got to see the the whole sail gating uh culture that exists up there uh you know if there's rules cracking down on what you can do before the game I people totally aren't going to show up before I the totally game agree. or might not show up at all i totally agree but when i when i talk about game day seriousness when you get into these other conferences the big 12 and the sec i went to an lsu game during the day and it blew my mind. I could only imagine what it's like at nighttime. What it really the be- same, but darker, and everybody's ten times drunker. Right. Exa- well, I don't. Know, I don't know how the latter would be humanly possible, to be honest with you. But but I think in the case of ASU, everything you're saying is is absolutely accurate. Where you go to these other universities, and the game and game day is all that matters on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Nothing before. Nothing after. At ASU, it's at best. Let's go for half and bail. Mm-hmm. And you can make all the excuses you want. Quality of opponent, weather, quality of venue, seating, uh, what, whatever you want to call it. Whatever excuse you want to grab, if you have got a compelling vibe and a great identity, they're going to be there. And, and this is this is what the Pac-12 hopefully is, I'm sorry, the Big 12 is mm-hmm. hopefully going to do for ASU football. But ASU is not different from any other team or f- franchise in this market is that you can take care of a lot of that vibe on your own mm-hmm. just by the quality of the product you put on the field or the mm-hmm. court. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is. It's really the way it, it was for almost the entire Pac-12. Yes. Which so, was one of the problems yeah. with the conference is mm-hmm. that unless you were winning at very high levels, you didn't have the 
undisputed, uh, you know, unwavering support of all your fans all yeah. the time, like you were in, in like the SEC or the Big Twelve or Big Ten. So, uh, so I'm hoping that we get to the point when when teams from the Big Twelve come to Tempe with small armies of fans intact, and we've said that already. You know, it, it's you look at Iowa State if they come to play ASU in basketball, there'll be twelve thousand people in the building as opposed to 1,200 if Stanford's the team. Um, you, you think about what BYU and football might do. There's, a, there's any number of options that are going to speak to not only traveling alumni, but transplants from those cities who are currently here. And you might start to see what the Cardinals are dealing with, a split audience. I hope that that rallies ASU's fan base, because college kids are different. Mm-hmm. They, they'd rally around that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. That's something I mentioned uh, during uh, yesterday's show. That and uh, that uh, I think the this move, this conference realignment, is is good. Um, there's several aspects of both as good and, and bad, and a lot of people focusing on the um, the oh, it's ruining the. Um, rivalries it's ruining this ruining that uh travel is going to be tough da, da, da. And, and you know i think that some of that stuff can be true um but no one was making that big a stink about it um when uh usc and ucla uh moved or when oklahoma and and uh, Texas moved to the SEC. It was like, oh, okay, all right, let's go. You know, excited about college football. But as soon as a bunch of Pac-12 teams moved to the Big 12 and Big 10, it's like, oh man, it's gonna mess college football up, and it's you know do all this and do all that. And I see, I like I said, I see both sides and see some points that oh that it could, um, but. Um, speaking from specifically an ASU perspective, it can only make things better because of, uh, you know, that's some of that stuff is, is contagious as far as, um, the fanfare and, and the competition of, of, of opponent and, and, and all these other different things. I think it's going to be a big deal. Um, what you're hoping is not a big deal and, and the whole reason for what we're, you know, having this this part of the segment is uh, you're hoping that uh, what Ray Anderson said doesn't you know get much bigger than it is that you know and and what it is now is just a uh, uh, some unhappy uh, fans definitely from West Virginia but um, and the school itself but uh, you know a couple un- unhappy fans that are just fans of the Big Twelve. Is like all right, yeah. See what happens when you let other people in, and especially that ASU group. The the um, their athletic director makes comments like that, and again, hopefully, it's you know no more than that. And I think it will uh, be just no more than what what it is. The only added thing is that uh, you can guarantee every time ASU plays. West Virginia and anything, West Virginia is going to be ready to beat ASU, and 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 that is uh, that's for certain. Um, but anyway, uh, that's everything I have on the show. I appreciate you guys listening. 
Um, like I said, with, with the exception of Diamondbacks, that just wrapped up uh, during the middle of this show. We're all caught up. I got everything out there on the airwaves that I wanted to get out up to this point. And uh, I'm pretty excited and, and thankful that you guys stuck it out and followed me through it. And uh, I, I appreciate you guys so much. Um, please, please do what you can to like, follow, comment, share, um, these, uh, this content and uh, hit the bell notification on whatever platform you like to listen to, whether that's um, Apple, Spotify, Google, Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, whatever it might be. So that way you can you know share the episodes and um if you want to get involved please 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 shoot me an email big sky sports talk at gmail.com shoot me a message on facebook and instagram or you know put a comment uh that's uh facebook instagram tiktok and youtube at big sky sports talk easy to find easy to follow um share the post like comment subscribe do whatever you have to that that's that's my focus and I appreciate you guys, as always, uh, doing that. Like I said, uh, tomorrow's show, um, we'll have uh, we'll have some Diamondbacks ready to go, and uh, any um, Cardinals and ASU as well. Um, I don't know if there'll be any media availability from ASU, considering they are going to Camp T. Um, uh, but uh, uh, we should have some Cardinal stuff. But like I said, if not. We'll have, have some Diamondbacks, and uh, um, we'll uh, t- talk about them uh, tomorrow. But, uh, again, thank you guys for sticking it out. And, um, it was it was a lot of content over the last couple of days, but, but it's all out there. It's all everything I wanted to accomplish up to this point, and I thank you again. Until tomorrow, appreciate it.